Welcome to the Champions Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this week's message. To learn more about Champions Church, visit GodsChampions.com. Praise the Lord. Have you gotten the message yet that He is King? There's nobody like Him. I just want to bring your, to, to, to your remembrance. Maybe some of you, for the first time, of this amazing gift of God to us. We go back just a few days ago on Friday. What Jesus did for us, no one could ever do for us. No one. Only He could come. Only He could be the perfect sacrifice. Nothing else worked. To go back to Old Testament, nothing worked. But it always led up. The Bible says that before time, before, before at the foundations of the world, that the Lord, the, Lord, the Father, and the Holy Spirit, and Jesus said, we have to have a plan to redeem man. And he thought about you and he thought about me right before we were born, before we existed. He knew that Jesus would need to come. For God so loved the world that he gives and he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life and life. And then it says, for God sent not the son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. The Bible says the Bible says to come to him as little children. Don't forsake and don't let the little children come. But he's really talking about an example of children of childlike faith that we come simply to the Father and say, I need you. It says in Philippians chapter 2, verse 6 through 11, you'll, you can read it along with me. It says, though he was God, talking about Jesus, though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born of a human, as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord. To the glory of God the Father, from Gethsemane, Jesus was beaten mercilessly. I'm talking about Friday. Say with me, Friday. It was Friday. And Jesus was beaten mercilessly. They say in history that a cat of nine tails stricken on someone's back many times wouldn't survive this whipping alone. The pieces of sharp metal and sharp stones would embed into the person and their skin would literally be ripped off of them. Jesus took our beating. He took our punishment. The skin would literally be ripped from them. They, they not only lacerated, but they would wrap around their body and not only hit their back, but it would wrap around their body and it would begin to dismantle their body. Many times, the lashes, when they hit higher on their back, would come and it would grab their face and rip their face. It's hard to describe without being too graphic, and I don't want to be too graphic this morning, but that's really graphic in itself. 
Suffice us to say that when they finished, the victim was often, they said, unrecognizable. Even the Passion of the Christ movie doesn't do it full justice of what was written in history about what happened to Jesus. They actually, it, it says, uh, um, the soldiers, um, but they actually came to a point where they did not recognize him as a human being. He was so unrecognizable when they were done. The soldiers also beat Christ with their fists and they spat upon him. A crown of thorns was embedded into his head and pressed down into his skin and more loss of blood. And when the process was finished, our Savior was so mangled and covered with spittle and bruises and blood that, as I said, in history says he was truly not recognizable. Isaiah 52, 14 says many people were shocked and they expanded word expanded edition of the word Isaiah 52 they said many people were shocked and astonished and appalled when they saw him his appearance was so disfigured that he didn't even look like a man his form had changed that they could barely tell he was a human being and you, you only go back and you understand that hell was bringing all only the thing that you come into a conclusion with is hell was bringing all of its force to bear to try and snuff out and kill the Lamb of God to literally bring all its force to bear and inspire men and individuals to literally beat him like it's never been beaten before. Jesus, Jesus, Yeshua, he received this for you and for me. It's Friday. It says in 1 Peter 2.4, He personally carried our sins in His body on the cross, willingly offering Himself on it as on an altar of sacrifice so that we might die to sin. In other words, becoming immune from the penalty and the power of sin and live for righteousness for by His, word, by his wounds, the Bible says, you who believe have been healed by His wounds. He was torn so that we could be made whole. This was Friday. He was bruised for our iniquities. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. But as I said, he was he was wounded so that we can be healed. And let your faith go there today. Let your faith go there today for your healing that you need. What you came in here broken, needing help, healing, strength, emotional past, whatever it is, Jesus paid it all so that you can walk from this place today healed. <laughs> healed. And the greatest healing that He brings is in your heart. Jesus was then led to the cross to be hung. We're talking Friday. Many prophetic messages, passages in Scripture pointing to the cross in Deuteronomy 21, 22 through 23 explains that someone being hung on a tree as being cursed. Which becomes clear of Jesus' hanging on the tree taking our curse. And it says in Galatians chapter 3, verse 13, it explains Christ purchased our freedom and redeemed us from the curse of the law and its condemnation by becoming a curse for us. As it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs crucified on a cross, on a tree. At Golgotha, it's interesting, at Golgotha, the skull, the, 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 the Bible says and prophesies and that this location, this hill of death, Golgotha, the hill of the skull, many years prior on the same day, say with me, the same day, on the very same day that Jesus, many years later, 
on the same day, well, years earlier on the same day, Abraham was led, was led there by God to sacrifice Isaac. And this was about a heart issue. This was about a God issue. This was about, are you going to serve me? Is your son more important than you? And, and never do we have a dream that's more important than the God we serve. And so we, we come to this place where, of obedience and sacrifice, but it always leads us to amazing destiny and purpose because God is a good father. Can you say amen? And with Abraham, Abraham was taking Isaac up on the same mountain, on the same hill, at the same time in history. To then sacrifice Isaac, as he was told. And the angel of the Lord stopped him. And God provided a lamb instead. And Isaac was freed. Like I said, many years later, Jesus on that exact time, at that exact place, Jesus, the Lamb of God, was slain on Golgotha's hill so that you and I could go free. I love the old song I've heard since I was a kid. He paid a debt he did not owe, but I owed a debt I could not pay. I needed someone to wash my sins away. And that's when Jesus stepped in. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 21, He made Christ who knew no sin to judicially be sin on our behalf so that in Him we would become the righteousness of God. That is, we would be made acceptable to Him and placed in a right relationship with Him by His gracious loving kindness. You know what Jesus did? It was, it was at the end, it was an excruciating, uh, excruciating, I could find the word, it's excruciating, it's unimaginable pain and bruises and broken and torn. But he, Jesus, Jesus announced, it is finished. Not to announce his death. He was announcing the declaration of Psalm 22:31, which says, They will come and declare his righteousness to a people yet to be born, that he has done it, and it is finished. And how many of you know we are those people that were yet to be born? And he says, it is finished. I have freed, I have made a way where there was no way for generation after generation as after generation until the Father says, come and let's take the church up from that earth and be up into heaven into glory. From age after age, person after person, Jesus said, it is finished. It was a declaration that he had paid the debt in full and was bringing forth the new. Did you know that death didn't take him? Death couldn't take him. Remember the stripes that came around him 29 times with nine tails ripping his flesh. He was unimaginable. People's, many people died during that process before they even got to hanging on the cross. But Jesus, they couldn't take Him. Death could not take Him. He gave His life for you and for me. No one can take what He gave. It was not possible. The purpose of... Oh, this is great. When Jesus said it is finished, something happened. Something happened. There was a, a veil. There was a veil that was literally torn from top to bottom. In the temple. A veil in the temple was torn. And you've got to understand this. That the purpose of the veil was to separate everyone from the Holy of Holies. Only... Only one person could go into the Holy of Holies. And it was a major, major deal. And there was protocols. There was things that had to be done. Everyone else is out. But this veil 
when Jesus said it is finished, it, from top to bottom, the scriptures say it, it, it tore in half. And that barrier from going into that place of the Holy of Holies was torn wide open because Jesus says, now we enter by the blood of the Lamb into the Holy of Holies to worship Him, to come and to lay our, 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 our needs and, our, and to have fellowship with God 24-7. And then Jesus opened that up and He ripped it wide open. He says, enough is enough. I'm making a way for you to go in and have fellowship with the Father. It's Friday. It's Friday. With this symbolic act, God was showing us that separation caused by sin was gone. And we can now enter into the presence of God once again. Hebrews chapter 4, 14 through 16 says this. Hebrews 4, so then, since we have a great high priest, Jesus, say with me, Jesus, who has entered into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let, a, let us hold firmly to what we believe. The high priest of ours understands our weaknesses. Did you know he was tempted in every way but did not sin? This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all of the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. And so let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There, we'll, there we will receive his mercy, and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. When I was little, I used to have an imaginary friend. <laughs> and, and we used to play together, and I used to tell him my best secrets. <laughs> and it was so much fun. And my imaginary friend didn't really, didn't really care, like, how I dressed or if I was fat. Or, or, or if I was even good at playing any games. <laughs> he just liked to be with me and have fun with me. He was a best imaginary friend. <laughs> well, one day, my mom came into my room and said that I had to get rid of my imaginary friend because, well, she wasn't real because she couldn't see her. But, but, she, but, 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 but he was real to me. He, he was. And he didn't care about what I used to do or if I was any good at it. But I did what my mom asked me to. And I said goodbye to my imaginary friend. Bye. I really miss you. When I was younger, I used to play on a baseball team. And I would love when my dad would come to the games and cheer me on. Hi, Dad! All right, I sure will. So I took my bat, and I got up to the plate, and I swung and hit the ball. Woo! way out there and I ran to first and I ran to second and I ran to third and eventually I even ran to home and had a home run Woo! yeah it was fun and I knew that whenever I did really good at baseball that after the game I'd get a hug from my dad and I'd get an ice cream cone <gasps> oh thanks dad but I also learned that if I got up to the bat, 
to, to get up there to swing, and I, I missed the ball. It's okay, Dad, I'll get it next time, okay? And so I lined her up, the ball came in, and I swung, and I missed the ball. Well, or I might have tripped running around the bases or something. I learned that when I messed up after the game, I didn't get a hug, and I, I didn't get an ice cream cone either. I'm sorry, Dad. I'll, I'll try better next time. I'm sorry. When I was a young lady, there was this guy, and he was really something. And he was the best-looking guy around. All the girls wanted to be with him, and he liked me. <laughs> and one day, I was just hanging out with my boyfriend, <laughs> and he told me that if I would just do whatever he asked of me, that that would secure his love for me. I mean, well, I mean, it's, it's a small price to pay, don't you think? I mean, it's only my body. <laughs> so I gave him what he wanted. <laughs> I, what? I, 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 oh, I understand. No, I understand. I'm just not pretty enough. Yeah, that's what it is. I'm just not pretty enough. Whatever. Maybe I'm just too fat. One day I was in the store as an adult. Somebody walked up to me and said, Jesus loves you. And I said, huh. Yeah, right. Where have I heard that before? Let's see. Um... Santa Claus will love you if you're a good little girl. Your dad will love you if you just hit more home runs. Your boyfriend will love you if you just give him what he wants. Where have I heard that before? Jesus loves me. Huh? Huh, Jesus? Where have I heard that before? When have I heard, oh, if you just do this, that will secure your love, and this will secure your love, and nobody loves me at the end of the day. I don't believe it. You know what, Jesus? What happens when I decide, like everybody else, that I don't measure up? What happens then, Jesus? Huh? What happens when, when I don't feel like doing things anymore because, because, because I can't, I can't hit anymore home runs? And, I, and I'm not pretty enough. And I can't be doing everything right. What happens then, Jesus, huh? Will you love me for me? Will you? Will you love me for me, Jesus? <laughs> Will you love me for me? <laughs> Jesus loves me. This <laughs> I know. For the Bible tells me so. I love you, Jesus. And I can be real with you. There's room at your table for me 
I am the one you love. Yes, I am the one you love. Oh, it's me, it's me, it's me. Oh, I know you're proud of me. Even though I don't deserve it sometimes No, I'm not a perfect child But I still make my father smile I know you're proud of me Yes, I am the one you love And I don't have to prove anything There's room at your table for me I am the one you love Come on, sing with me Sing, you take me You take me just as I am You choose me all over again I am the one you love Yes, I am the one you love And I don't have to prove anything There's room at your table for me I am the one you love Yes, I am the one you love Oh, it's me, it's me it's the real me You see me just as I am And you love me Your love, your love never fails Your love never fails Your love, your love never fails Your love never fails Your love, your love never fails your love never fails I've seen it time and time again Your love, your love never fails Your love never fails This is my testimony Your love, your love never fails Your love never fails Oh, your love Your love, your love never fails Your love never fails can't relate and maybe this is something for you that's like it's a new concept let me tell you there's someone who made you that loves you more than anyone else could ever love you and the Bible says nothing could ever ever separate you from his love nothing nothing it says at the end of Romans chapter 8 that if this happens and this happens, if you go to the deepest depths of the highest heights, if this tribulation or this thing happens to your life, my paraphrase at the moment, because I wasn't necessarily planning to say it, but I want you to know something. It says that nothing, 
I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate me or us from the love of God. You don't have to get cleaned up to come. You just need to come. You don't have to get rid of your past and get your life right and have 100,000 counseling sessions before you come to God. No, He helps you with all of that. Oh yeah, He helps you with all of that. Sometimes instantaneously. But we serve a good Father. And He knows what you need. Oh, let me tell you, He knows what you need. It says about His love, by the way, in Ephesians 1, 3-7, it says, every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realm has already, because of Christ, been lavished upon us as a love gift. A love gift. From our wonderful Heavenly Father. The Father of our Lord Jesus, all because he, he sees us wrapped into Christ. This is what happens when you give your life to Jesus Christ. He sees you wrapped into Christ. And He makes you a joint heir with Christ. Are you kidding me? It goes on to say, our wonderful Heavenly Father, He gives us He lavished upon us a love gift from our wonderful Heavenly Father, the Father of our Lord Jesus, all because He sees us wrapped into Christ. This is why we celebrate with Him with all of our hearts. And in love, He chose us before He laid the foundation of the universe. I talked about that earlier. Because of His great love, He ordained us so that we would be seen as holy in His eyes with an unstained innocence. For it was always in His perfect plan, always in His perfect plan to adopt us. You say, adopt? Let me tell you something. Everyone who's adopted finds that to be a great blessing. My daughter works with Heartland for Children in Polk County, and, and let me tell you something. There's a celebration in those kids' lives when they found that someone chose them. But let me tell you something. Someone chose you and has adopted you. And not just anyone, God. He chose you. You're here today because He chose you. You're here today hearing my voice. If you never received this message before of the love of God, of the amazing work of God, of Christ on the cross, at death and resurrection, let me tell you something. You're here. Know that God chose you. chose you oh yes he did he chose us before the foundation of the universe because of what his great love he ordained us verse 5 and 6 for it was always in his perfect plan to adopt us as his delightful children through our union with Jesus the anointed one so that his tremendous love that cascades over us would glorify His grace for the same love He has for the, listen, for the same love He has for His beloved Jesus He has for us. Whoa. I'm telling you, this love is, will blow you away. For the same love He has for His beloved Jesus He has for us and this unfolding plan brings Him great pleasure since we are now joined to Christ we have been given the treasures of redemption by His blood, the total cancellation of our sins, all because of the cascading riches of His grace. You remember I told you, I talked about Jesus a minute ago and it was on Friday. But Sunday's here. Sunday has arrived. Sunday arrived for Jesus and Jesus was resurrected. We started this service with, what do I see? I see a resurrection life, and I see one about to happen, and that's whoever's here that doesn't know Christ as your Lord and Savior, because He takes, the resurrection is what? Making all things new. Resurrection is a brand new beginning. Resurrection is a releasing of life. You see this, understand this, the cross gets us from earth to heaven, but His resurrection brings heaven to your earth. Wow. And for all of us, 
Listen, for all of us who have experienced that, can you say amen? Woo! You hear that? That's joyful Judy. <laughs> That's what happens. You see, then you get a, a perspective that's like, it doesn't matter what happens to me per se. God is always for me and He's not against me. So He, orchest he, he orchestrates my steps. I, I yield to Him. I love Him. And He always does the best plan for me. I never have to wonder. I can trust Him, as it says in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, with all of my heart and lean not to this understanding because this understanding doesn't always understand, but this heart does. Because He connects to my heart and I connect to His. He's my Father. Hmm. The cross pays our debt, if you will. The resurrection fills our account. New life. Before, after, Friday, Sunday. Everything changed. Everything changed. And today, this Sunday can change for you. Let me just tell you a couple of things. Because it says in Romans 6, 4, we are buried with, therefore, we were buried, therefore, with Him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too walk in newness of life. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, 17 through 18, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God. It says in new, uh, N.T. Wright wrote, he said, Jesus' resurrection is the beginning of God's new project, the colonization of earth with the life of heaven. Our new life has been recreated to thrive on this earth until we be welcome in the new heavens and the new earth. It says this in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. It says, we have become His poetry. Oh, when you give your life to Christ, you become His poetry. A, a recreated people that will fulfill the destiny, what? That He has given each of us, for we are joined to Jesus, the Anointed One. Even before we were born, God planned in advance our destiny and the good works that we would do to fulfill it. Oh, you see, Friday needed to come, but so does your Sunday. So does your Sunday. Let me give you a couple of examples. Listen. I was born in Batavia, Ohio. My mom and dad kept me for one year before giving me to foster care. I was then sent to California where I was to be in so many homes. I'd, I don't even remember them all. At the age of six, my aunt, my mother's sister, came and took me away from the nightmare and brought me, uh, and, and, and brought me to family. From then, I, I thought... Everything was going to be perfect and a fresh start. It was for a while until it became emotional abuse where I was at and it became me putting up with walls and constantly walking in eggshells for 14 years of my life. When I couldn't do my homework because I didn't know how I would have to sit at the table until I did it or she would get upset and just do it herself. And even after that, I would... I would be awakened to super late at super late at night just to fix a problem she didn't check before. Or it was so late when I finished, I would lay down in bed and she would scream my name to come back and fix it. And when I was 10 years old, my uncle sexually abused me. And just two months later, he died and I felt dirty, alone, worthless. This would send me in a frenzy because the next couple of years I had to, to go to safe houses because I wanted to end my life and end me. And I was even in a psych hospital because I was hearing voices at a time. Many voices at a time. I didn't have friends in school so I felt super alone. I was going to school, to college, and when I felt that feeling again, I felt I had no purpose in what I was doing or even why I was alive. But yet I had, but then something happened. I had an encounter with the love of God. Today, my life is totally different. See, Friday, Sunday. 
day after day, the Lord is helping me to walk in his overcoming victory and in my identity as a daughter of God. I'm training for ministry, connected to an amazing ministry team, and being mentored by two dynamic people who show me regularly the Father's love. I want to introduce you to Kate. We know her as Kate the Great. Is this all right? You want to hear another one? I grew up in Boston in a family consisting of four daughters. I was the youngest and very insecure. My mom was what the world would call a very successful businesswoman, and my dad owned a grocery store, also successful. Needless to say, I was alone most of the time, even at a very young age, and therefore very lonely. I had what would be called social anxiety disorder, and we just would, they would just call me shy, laugh out loud. Not being a Christian in a Christian home, it was far from moral. From much, there was much adultery. And there was a lot of crime in the family. I found out at an early age that if I drank some alcohol, I would actually be able to talk to people. Well, I was off and running after that, drinking whenever possible and being alone so much, it was usually possible. Whenever possible, I would drink. And this lifestyle of parties and drunkenness and everything that goes with it, including abuse, continued until I was 27 years old. Even with all of this, God had been reaching out to me. One day, a neighbor friend asked me if I would like to say the sinner's prayer, even though I had exposure to a denominational church. I had never, I, I had never heard of that, so I did. I said the sinner's prayer. I, I cannot say at the time I gave my life to Jesus, but I can say that it opened a door for me to be more susceptible to hearing His voice. And that defining moment for me was when I woke up from an alcoholic blackout over someone's house with my face in literally a pile of cat diarrhea. And Jesus then had my complete attention. I totally surrendered to Jesus, recognizing how much He loved me. And His goodness led me to repentance, totally falling in love with Him. I burned every bridge of my past, and by His grace and mercy, I did that. And I have happily served Him. As the, as the song says, I'm never turning back. Now let me say this, not only has God set this woman free from her past, but in our Sozo ministry team, she's helped many, many people become free from disorders and abuse and situations. I want to introduce you to Claudette Collado. The power of the resurrection. That was Friday, but now it's Sunday. It's your Sunday. Last one. My dad left our home when I was a year and a half old, which left my brother and I being sent to various babysitters. My mother worked three jobs most of our lives, so most of our days were spent with people that were supposed to take care of us. Well, the first babysitter we had was a close friend of my family. And when she wasn't beating us for not eating our food, she, was a son, she had a son who had repeatedly molested my brother and I from ages 3 years to 10. And then a second babysitter were entrusted to a daughter who did the same thing to me from age 7 to 11. As a result of this abuse, it caused me to hate myself, who I was and what I was doing. And I thought about all the time I couldn't stand the person I was. And there were a few times I contemplated suicide. One time in particular, I wanted to end my life at the age of 12 with pills that my mom was taking. Thank God I chickened out. As the years went on, I learned how to manipulate people and getting what I wanted, especially girls, not caring who I hurt or what I did. Finally, at the age of 16, we had a family movie in the in next door to the... We had a family move, sorry, not movie. We had a family move in next door to the government-subsidized complex we lived in. The mother's name was Brenda, and she invited me to church. I told her. I would I'd never go to church again. It was boring. I hated it. But she asked me week after week along with my mother. 
And I finally gave in. And my life has never been the same. Changed forever. This, this same man, the same man not only gave his life to Christ, he had a call on his life. He had a call on his life. He's been a conference speaker many, many times. He's led thousands of children to the Lord. He's leading a youth movement at Champions Church. I want you to welcome and celebrate with me Resurrection Life and Pastor Bob Illis. with you guys. I got a different mic on. There you go. Listen, it's an honor to be here today. Uh, my story isn't any different than most of yours. Growing up, we grew up poor. My mom was single mom, trying to find her way, working three jobs. The abuse that happened to us wasn't her fault. During those years, I was lost. I was hurt. I was confused. to go. We went to church every weekend. We live in government housing, and so whenever a bus came in, my mom would shove us on the bus because she needed some relief from us. We go to those churches, and I don't remember anybody telling me about salvation. I don't remember anybody telling me how God can heal me. I don't remember any of that stuff. If they did, they didn't do it in a way that stuck and that I could cling to. They didn't teach me how to pray. I went to all different denominations. I was a kid that was broken, lost. I absolutely hated myself. When the abuse stopped at age 12, I began to abuse. What that means is this. I manipulated every girl that I met. And there was a lot. I was really good at it. My wife knows the story. I won't go into all that. But every time I did something, even with them, I hated myself even more. To the point I thought about killing myself constantly. And as I said in the story, I tried one time. My mom had pills out. They were pain pills, heavy-duty pain pills. And I just wanted to end it. It was at the age of my life, you're 12 years old, and you start questioning, why is my dad not around? Everybody else has a dad around. Why didn't he love me? Why wasn't all those things that you go through as a kid? And on top of everything that was done to me and everything that I've done, it was so overwhelming, I wanted to just quit. But I didn't. And here's the reason why that happened. Because the devil stinking hates me. He hated me ever since I was born, and he hates me now. And I want to give you a clue. He hates you. He hates you. And he's doing everything he can to get your eyes off of Jesus. Because if he can get your eyes off of Jesus, or, he get, or he, if he can convince you to blame Jesus for things that Jesus didn't do, he ruins your life forever. You'll never know what it is to be loved by a loving God. You'll be searching and looking your entire life. Those things that have happened in your life that have caused you to maybe hate yourself. I'm not the only one that was in that situation. We've done camps and retreats and services all over the U.S. And many times in a children's camp setting, which is third grade to sixth grade, we'd have anywhere from 300 to 1,500 kids. Every once in a while I'm prompted, how many of you in here, don't you guys raise your hands, have ever thought about ending your life? Do you know in a kid's camp, no less than 80% of those kids raise their hands that means the enemy is after your kids. He's after your grandkids, and he's after you kids that are in here. He doesn't care what color you are. He doesn't care how good looking you are. He doesn't care if you have a mom or dad. He wants to end your life. Why am I telling you this on a, on a resurrection Sunday morning? Because that's why Jesus came. God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. God didn't send his son to the world to condemn the world, but through him, they might be saved. You're in here today. Some are in here thinking, 
What is the purpose of life? I've got all this money, I've got all this success, and I'm still not happy. You're missing Jesus. I've got all this money, everything's going great. Why, why do I feel empty? You're missing Jesus. I'm the best looking dude in the entire state. Why do I still feel empty? Because you're missing Jesus. When I asked Jesus in my heart at 16 years old, I was at the worst time of my life. My family naturally are alcoholics, probably 80% at least. I don't know some of my family. My dad said I didn't know who, who they were. Which means this, I have a gravitation to that. There's something in me that's drawn to that. And I started drinking alcohol at age 16, two months before I gave my heart to Jesus. It was once just to do it, and I liked the feeling. Didn't like the taste, but I liked the feeling. I was very introverted, very shy, and I came out of my shell in a, in a big way. And I, I liked who I was, and so did my friends. And so the next day, I didn't have to buy myself a drink. They liked that, Bobby. And so they bought me the drinks. And then the next person bought me the, And next thing you know, I was drinking every day. This lady, Brenda, who moved in next door to me, she wasn't one of those fake Christians. She wasn't a Christian on Sunday only. Her life exemplified Christ. She asked me to go to church. I ain't going to church. Church sucks. I hate it. It's boring. I don't want to go. I'm a grown man now. I got hair in my face. I don't have to do it. She asked me on a daily basis. She asked my mom. My mom gets saved. So now they're both asking me. So I finally wanted to shut them up. I said, listen, this is the last. I'll go to church one time, and that's it. Not going again. I wanted to get them off my back. I go to church on a Sunday, and all of a sudden, this old lady is on the stage. She's like 70, 80 years old. And I'm like, oh my gosh, what the heck? I'm sitting in there, and she starts preaching. And the anointing on her was so thick, she started telling me things that I never heard before. She talked about Jesus being the only way. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to heaven except through him. I'm like, what? Service is over. She, she does the altar call, and I'm white-knuckling the pews in front of me because I don't want to go. I'm a man. I'm not doing none of this stuff. She asked, who wants to give their hearts to Jesus? And I mean, tears flowing down my face, knuckling the back of the pews. They didn't have chairs back in the day, it was the pews. And so we held on to the pews, and the service was over. I'm like, <sighs> I get ready to leave, and this lady walks up. She says, son, I want to ask you a question. I said, sure. She said, if you were to die today, would you go to heaven? And I made the wrong answer. I said, I think so. She goes, how would you like to be sure? I'm like, and she told me about Jesus. She told me that if I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in my heart that God raised him from the dead, that I could be saved. I didn't have to earn it. I didn't have to do anything. And so I said, yeah. She prayed the prayer of salvation with me. And I want to tell you something. My life has never been the same again. I didn't try, Jesus. Amen. Listen. You've heard it said before in the past, and maybe you said this. Just give Jesus a try. Skip that. You don't give Jesus a try. I didn't give Jesus a try. I gave him my life. And when I gave, if you give Jesus a try, it's not going to work. Because your heart's not in it, and he's not going to manipulate you into serving him. He's waiting for you to make that decision, no matter what anybody else thinks about you, that I'm going to surrender my life to you forever. That's the commitments he's wanting. And he expects nothing less. And when you do that, he doesn't shortchange you. He changes your life forever. You go from death to resurrection. I am not that same kid that I was growing up. I don't have that same mentality. I don't have those same urges. I am saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Spirit. God's changed my life forever. And guess what? I broke that cycle in my family. I had a son. Guess who he loves? He loves Jesus, and he serves him hard. All oh, because somebody reached out to me and told me the truth. I'm telling you the truth here. I don't care what you've heard. If you don't surrender your life completely to Jesus, you'll never see him. And he does, he's done everything that he could to guarantee a spot for you in heaven with him. And that decision is this. Lord, 
I give you my life. Everything that I am, everything that I'm not, everything that I hope to be, I surrender to you. Once you do that, I guarantee you, your life is changed forever. I believe the word of God is true. And that's what the word tells me. So with every head bowed in here and every eye closed, nobody looking around because this is an intimate moment. It's not your business who's dealing with what. I don't care if you're a deacon. I don't care if you're a kid. Please honor that. Close your eyes, bow your head. I want to ask this question. If you're in here today and you've never asked Jesus into your heart, maybe you even answered the altar call, but after you've gone home, nothing's changed. I want to tell you, sir and ma'am, your life wasn't changed in that moment. When you encounter Jesus, there's a complete radical change in your life. If you're in here today and you've never asked him into your heart, and today you want to make him Lord and Savior of your life, when I say three, I want you to raise your hands. Are you ready? One, two, three. Raise your hands if that's you. Raise your hands if they Thank you for being honest. Thank you for being honest. These are the hardest moments in life. I'm going to ask this next question. Maybe at one time you served the Lord. You were faithful, you did all these things. Maybe you're in plays and skits, maybe you even preached. But something went wrong somewhere. You bought into the lie of the enemy. And you've been wandering around, hurt, discouraged, helpless, hopeless. And you're thinking, the devil's got you thinking there's no way back. There's no way God can forgive you for what you've done. I'm here to tell you today, that's a lie from the pit of hell. The Bible says if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So if you're in here today, you've been running for God, I'm going to give you a, a hint. The Bible says the steps of the righteous are ordered to the Lord. We're here today on purpose to minister to you. You're here today to hear the word of God. You might think, Bob, I got, I got plenty of time. I, I, I'll do it next week. I'll do it next year. I want to tell you, we're not guaranteed tomorrow. And we have, we, we lived through this moment a couple months ago. I had a youth in our ministry Came faithfully on a Wednesday. Hadn't seen him in a while. Three or four weeks. He comes back to youth service. He goes, Pastor Bob, man, he goes, I missed you. I said, dude, church isn't the same without you. He goes, I know, I know. He goes, I'm going to be back every week. I'm going to bring somebody. I would like to tell you that he brought somebody back the next week. But a few days later, he got hit by a police officer down the road here and a high-speed chase, and his eternity was closer than he thought. I'm telling you this, not to scare you, but I want you to think. This is one of those moments that God's brought us here today to speak truth to you. If you're in here today, and you're running from God, and you know it, and you're sick of running from Him, when I say three, I just want you to raise your hands. Are you ready? One, two, three. Raise your hands if that's you. Thank you for being honest. Thank you for being honest. Thank you for being honest. I'm going to do this today. Put your hand on the shoulder of the person next to you or hold their hands, whatever you can do. We're going to pray. First, we're going to pray a prayer of salvation. This prayer means absolutely nothing unless you mean it with your heart. God's not worried about the eloquence of your prayer or your speech. He wants to know the condition of your heart. And so what we're going to do, I'm going to pray this prayer. Repeat after me. Dear Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. You lived on this earth, and you died on a cross for my sins. I believe three days later, you rose from the grave, and you are alive today. I am a sinner. I need you to forgive me. Be my Lord, my Savior, and my best friend. I'm going to live for you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Let's give them a hand for that decision. Now, just humor me for two more minutes. You prayed that prayer. You're thinking, I don't feel any different. We're not saved based on our feelings. If you believe what you said, we're saved by faith. I believe that God changed my life at age 16. You're at that moment in your life right now, whether you're 16, 26, 56, 86. You're at that moment now. Your life has changed. The Bible says that he takes our sins, throws them as far as the east is from the west and remembers them no more. You're a new person. You're a new creature, the Bible calls you. You can be whatever creature you want. But you're saved. 
Those of you guys that have been running from God, listen. You've been running from God, and look what happened. You ran right into him today. He loves you. He's hunting for you. He's searching for you. He's drawing you, and he drew you here for a reason. So if you prayed that prayer of salvation with me, dude, it's start over time. It's a brand new day. Let me pray one more time. Father, those that are here today, everyone that's here today, whether they're lost, whether they're searching, whether they're hoping and praying for family members, Lord, you're in control. Holy Spirit, move in our lives. Help orchestrate a way for our loved ones to come to know you in a personal way, in a real way. God, help us not to be a hindrance to anybody. Check us with our attitude. Check us with our pride. Check us with our vocabulary. Help us to be the real person that you called us to be. Help us to be Jesus in this earth, the reflection of you. In Jesus' name. Listen, I'm telling you, don't give Jesus a try. I'm telling you right now, accept him into your hearts and into your life. Because that reflection that's inside of you is going to be Jesus. Thanks for listening to Champions Church Sermon of the Week. Be sure to subscribe for more content each week. If you'd like to learn how you can partner with us, visit GodsChampions.com.